Have you ever wondered who are the artists who paint the murals at the Bondi Seawall? In this Arts Wednesday podcast series, we meet the mural artists who've come from all over the world and around Australia to adorn the seawall at Bondi Beach with colourful, thoughtful and sometimes provocative public art.
You're on Arts Wednesday on Eastside Radio. And today we're talking to a well-known artist in Australia. He's been an Archibald Prize winner in 2022. And his name is Black Douglas. You probably remember that name. Welcome to Arts Wednesday. Good morning to you. What do we say here? Yeah, what do we say here? So, as I said, you, back in 2022, you won the Archibald Prize. We'll come back to that later. But first I want to take you back to 2018. So uh, you created a uh, mural down on the Bondi Seawall called Seaweed Mob. Can you describe the work for us? Yeah, this piece was commissioned by the Bondi Heritage Trust and particularly uh, Adrian Newstead, who's a renowned art dealer residing in the area. And uh, we'd had a relationship for many years, so we kind of uh, got together with um, uh, the Councillor Dominic at the time, mm-hmm. who was representative of the First Nations mob in the area. Mm-hmm. And they uh, secured a historic uh, allotment, actually, because mm-hmm. um, usually mural artists there are designated the one space that you see yes. per mural, but we were granted two spaces. Excellent. <laughs> and so it was already off to a historic start. Yeah. And so rather than pa- uh, produce a painterly piece because – uh, I couldn't afford to do that on the budget they had. Oh. Unfortunately, I don't work as quick as the talented aerosol artists down there, so <laughs> it would have been a you know a fourteen day venture really. And um, is it because you work in oils? No, uh, uh, acrylics, acrylics. But um, oh. nonetheless, I I do work slower, and uh, there's all sorts of factors you've got to consider in producing murals, like how many times a day you answer to the kids uh, what it's going to (laughs) be. And um, so I decided rather to produce a graphic, given uh, given my graphic design background. And uh, I'd kind of concocted this idea, which was to acknowledge the the Bidigal people, um, the original peoples of that strip. And um, so what I did was I... uh, I went down to Bondi. Actually, I had on file from, from back when iPhones were only uh, iPhone 5s. Mm-hmm. And I'd been right. down at the beach one morning and I took a panorama of um, the, the seaweed wash-up. Ah, yeah. Cause and the whole beach was furry. I know. It's incredible when that, co- that comes Ooh. in, the nor'easter yeah. or something. Yeah. And lo and behold, uh, I was able to get the, uh, the decent resolution out of the old iPhone 5 um, <laughs> JPEG. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I used that as my background wallpaper, if you will. Yeah. And then I started putting elements into that beautiful panorama. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the interesting things was there's an iconic photograph in the archives of this uh, group of blackfellas on the south end of Bondi Uh uh, in a faux corroboree. Oh, on the beach or? Mm. Yeah. And look, there's been historical conjecture about that image for eons mm. about uh, them being the last remaining Bondi people okay. or whatever. But nonetheless, mm. it's a beautiful kind of sepia photograph mm. that was taken in the 1940s. Oh, wow. And, um, and so I sourced that image and uh, photoshopped them into my Right, my okay. uh, panorama. Yeah, 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 the, the, the photo. Yeah, okay, thus took... creating what I call the seaweed mob. Yeah, okay. And uh, in, in a, a ceremonial thing. It was an acknowledgement to uh, the Gadigal and the yeah. Bidigal, the clan, a clan of, mm. and, um, and kind of t- really tastefully produced into a graphic that was designed to be very entertaining and educational for mm. all those walking mm. by. Yeah. And um, 
Uh, no, but back to the seaweed mob. Yeah, yeah. It turns out that they were performing dance troupe from Queensland. Oh, no. <laughs> and they happened to be in Sydney yeah. uh, for some celebration. And I'm wondering whether it was one of the bicentenary kind of yeah. federation celebrations. Sure, you know? yeah. But somebody got, the agent got them down there on the beach and said, let's take this photograph and, and remember the days of which were, you know. So mm-hmm. anyway, it's, it served a, a good image for my, my purpose. Right. So it wasn't a overtly political, controversial mural, but yet there was a strong reaction to it. So tell us about what happened after that. Yeah, so it, no, it was never designed to be a political thing, but a, rather a form of acknowledgement mm, yeah. uh, to a people's long forgotten there. Yeah. And um, uh, so the way we produced this was... Um, uh, I worked with uh, a preeminent graphics um, mob in North Sydney who were uh, the only mob that were able to produce a billboard size canvas. Okay, on canvas. Singular yeah. print almost. Yeah. And, um, and so this ended up being something like 10 metres long. So how did you attach it to the seawall? Uh, Just so glue? It was oh. produced on a, um, on a, very, a weather-resistant uh, canvas banner kind of thing, and it was adhered. So their their uh, fellows from the shop came down and painstakingly uh, adhered that to the concrete wall. Mm. So obviously it was designed to sit there for some time. We even fitted an aluminium strip around the edge to mm. pr- pr- produ- f- prevent people from picking at it yeah, yeah. or weathering, getting behind it. Sure. So it was really set to be there for, for six months at least, you know. Mm. It was going to be quite a – well, it didn't last more than 72 hours <laughs> until some little um, mm. ragamuffin mm. came mm. along uh, mm. in an anti-Semite attack. For, for whatever reason. Yeah, what's that about? You know. um, but this uh, presumably young fella mm-hmm. had started at Bondi Junction that that evening. Oh, right. And, um, and aerosol swastikas and comments all the way from Bondi Junction down Bondi Road. Too much time on his hands. Yeah, <laughs> and then got to um, targeted my mural yeah. uh, in particular. And, um, yeah, swastikas all the way across um, Go Home, whatever's, oh, and... Okay. Uh, it was really ugly. So mm. um, obviously that doesn't sit comfortably with the local demographic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the mayor was down there in an earshot yep. and um, and the blink of an eye, I should say, and uh, we were we, it had to come down in 48 hours. Oh, right, just yeah. get, because you couldn't paint over it, you had to pull it down. Yeah. It, was, um, you know, it was irreparable because of the print. Uh, not designed to be, um, you know, touched up or or, yeah. Yeah. Cl- or cleaned. Yes, yeah. So it was a real bummer because it, it, yeah. the little bugger put those swastikas right in integral parts of the mural, oh, yeah. detailed parts. So okay. unfortunately, that came off the wall and has been rolled up ever since. So so it still exists? It still exists. With the swastikas? Yeah. Oh, well, there's, there's a bit of history, history I mean, for yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of... Um, Could end up in a museum one day. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> I kind of boldly uh, consider it my Guernica. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get the reference. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, there was there was also another controversial... Well, this this wasn't actually controversial. You just had to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, mm. by the sounds of it. Mm. But um, there was another one that was defaced. It was the uh, Luke Cornish's one. Uh, which was about the uh, the border force. Mm. And they had the the twenty one border force soldiers, and not welcome at Bondi. This is a reference to detention and stuff like that. Mm. And that got defaced too. Mm. 
again, the same mayor had to come down. Yeah. So. Well, let's just say that, um, uh, and, you know, I'll, I'll, I will profile for a moment, given we are coming to a very sensitive time in the next two weeks. Yes. But um, the right-wing uh, survivors of the colony uh, obviously have a, a very um, wayward thought process on how to coexist. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and when their commentary is made, it's made in the most uh, abrasive pattern, which continually, by and large, seem to go unpunished. So mm-hmm. um, the, the really unfortunate thing about that mural the uh, graphic piece is that um, there are no CCTV cameras on Bondi Beach. Oh, really? Because it's against um, moral protocols. Right. Okay. For you, people changing and yeah, people or, and topless sunbathers yeah, and yeah, whatever, yeah. so they can't have yeah. these uh, things. So we weren't able to actually oh, okay. find out who it was. Who it was down there? Right. Yeah. But did they did they get the CCTV footage from up, the up, junction? Uh, the top, I'm not sure. Right, I'm okay. Not sure. Yeah, we just kind of were so shocked that we just mm. let it all go, and yeah. um, it was uh, just one of those really unfortunate, um, uh, uncelebratory moments in art. Mm. <laughs> well, they've 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 come and go every time, but um, so you know the the the, the, the paintings on the the murals down there at the the wall. Sorry, the murals down there on the seawall these days. As beautiful as they are, they're, they're, they're not very controversial. Do you think they're a bit more vanilla to, to what's going on down there now? Oh, you know, you always – obviously, it's a pretty sensitive uh, area. And if you were – it evidently gets the greatest concentration of cross-demographics on the continent mm-hmm. at any given time, um, particularly weekends. So uh, whilst one would hope there'd be more murals – uh, like elks, like Luke Cornish's, or mm-hmm. um, something that was a bit more uh, challenging. Um, we evidently, with the way we are moving towards the constitutional reform re- uh, amendment, mm-hmm. we sadly are still but a nation of teenagers searching for an identity. <laughs> Yeah, well, and it doesn't look like the training wheels are coming off. No, anytime soon. The little bike, no. and it's really sad. And it's no. no wonder the rest of the world, particularly when it comes to art here, mm. uh, does not take us too seriously. Mm. But well, I don't know. I mean, when you say take us, you mean Indigenous artists? No, I mean people, Australian people. Oh, Australian people. Yeah, yeah right. Okay. I mean, okay you so. can't go greater than the great PJ Keating for coining yeah. uh, the arse end of the earth or the <laughs> banana republic. What um, a we, 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 We're not showing <laughs> that we've reached any state of maturity politically mm. or um, by and large in the arts. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, uh, as I remind the kids when I speak to them in my workshops in school, mm-hmm. uh, that we are some 1,200 years behind the rest of the world in terms of Western art.
You're on, it's Wednesday, I'm talking to visual artist Black Douglas. So I'll just go back to uh, winning the Archibald Prize now in 2022. You were finalist three times before you actually cracked the, the first prize. Uh, you won with the portrait of Carla Dickens. And she was portrayed holding two leaking buckets in what we assume was the Northern River's floods which were causing havoc at that time. So how did you come up with the device of the leaking buckets? What, what inspired you for that way of portraying the story? Preeminent metaphor in those buckets was the um, ever-rising commercial commission percentage that commercial galleries command upon artists. Oh, okay. And so it's a fight that I tried to ignite, a fire that I tried to ignite mm-hmm. immediately after winning the Archibald Prize. Right. Because somebody had to step up and make a comment that um, it's getting out of hand. And um, largely, sadly... Uh, that has fallen on deaf ears, and I'm very disappointed in NAVA in that respect. NAVA? What's NAVA? National Advocacy for Visual Arts, okay, because okay. I did meet with NAVA a week after I won the Archibald Prize, hmm. and there was a number of babies I wanted to take on board yeah. um, politically yes. to try and use the weight of winning the prize. And so uh, with the, the hearsay was that the conversation that tried to be generated between, uh, let's just say, the upper echelon of commercial dealers in Sydney, mm-hmm. um, fell on deaf ears, and I was pretty much told, like in um, in the castle, telling me he's dreaming. Yeah, yeah. Um, the gist of the fa- argument and my discussion is that when I was an emerging artist, the upper echelon of exhibiting in commercial mm-hmm. arena, the com- the the uh, commission was sixty forty. So that's sixty to the artists right, and okay. forty to the dealer. Right. Okay. Somewhere in the last decade, it's risen to 50-50. Mm-hmm. And as we saw with the wonderful George Giddos on um, Q&A recently, mm-hmm. uh, arguing that he'd encountered 60-40 the other, other way. Oh, okay. And so what's happening is that unashamedly, uh, the many commercial galleries are recruiting emerging artists because they're hot, young, impressionable things, mm-hmm. malleable yes. and impressionable to their clientele. Yes, yes. And they're hitting them with 50-50. Okay. And that's, uh, that's sacrilege in my eyes. Mm. That's, uh, you, you, you need to allow an artist to get on their feet yeah. um, to get stable. But um, they just won't do that. And so I was showing with a particular dealer Mm. who, when he saw the statement go public for the artwork, uh, Moby Dickens, mm. which highlighted this um, this uh, element of my discussion, mm. uh, I, was, uh, I received a phone call and um, the challenge or the opposition to my comments were that, that they work very hard for those, those rates. Mm-hmm. Uh, what that um, translates to is exorbitant real estate 
um, yeah. rental yeah. on on chic strips in mm. Sydney. Yeah, yeah. Uh, fueling the Range Rover, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. the dining the deal, dining your clients on the weekend mm-hmm. or midweek with a stogie and a bottle of Dom. Yeah, and so you know, don't don't piss in my pocket yeah. about that. Mm-hmm. And so, sadly, um, uh, it's not gotten any traction. Yeah. But everywhere I've gone, including Byron Bay, for, uh, to to speak with the community after the the win, mm-hmm. to a packed hall in, at the Byron Bay School of Arts, mm-hmm. when I've many of those um, bless them, many of those emerging artists or aspiring artists in remote communities um, have no inkling of what it, what what you're hit with as a commercial exhibitor down here, mm. um, or in the the current landscape of Australian art. Mm. So when I asked who who would support me if I was to take it to a petition, of course there's a, a rapturous support and punching the air of the whole um, congregation, and it's something that we might need to move towards. Um, mm. Because for some reason, you see, if you try and if you try and speak this uh, language to the minister of the arts, well, how that translates to the ministry is that that well that's less less taxable. Income. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes. So mm. uh, it's designed that we are not meant to leave the uh, the mouse wheel. But I'm also the thinking... Tread, the tread wheel. I'm also thinking uh, we've recently had the actors strike in America. And, I mean, they're organised, they're politicised, they're very well organised. Is there any chance that artists could become like that in Australia? That they, the artists could be, form a collective to... Like a, a power block, a, a, an advocacy block to get their cause through. You know, I became aware of that in 1989 at university, mm-hmm. and uh, and other countries have followed suit. Yep. And it's something that I do um, uh, reiterate to to art students that I speak to. Mm-hmm. And uh, as discussed earlier, we are so far behind the rest of the the planet, honestly. Mm-hmm. And um, let's just touch on another example. When I won that prize, I was expected to shout my mates for the rest of the year. <laughs> uh, to their shock, horror, and many to many disbelief, mm. um, explaining to them that 33 grand of that went straight to the ATO. Oh, get out of here. That's correct. Oh, okay. Well, so, yeah, yeah. so another thing was that I tried to take on board mm. was a tax reprieve, a tax-free for, uh, wins for artists. Right. Now... Uh, once again, by many um, uh, regional gallery directors at a conference, when I um, spoke of this, mm. they laughed, shook their head, and telling me he's dreaming because mm. Mm. tax-free, by and large, is not in the vernacular of the ATO. Oh, unless you're a bazillionaire. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you can win on the dogs. Uh, mm. You can win at the casino. Yep. Um, and get a tax-free yep, win, uh, bonus, yep. but you can't slave away for 20 years as an artist uh, yeah. living out on the breadline. And win a prize and expect to walk away with the entire amount. Wow, that's a, see, that's the funny thing, though, isn't it? You know, game of chance, you're tax free, hard work, perseverance, dedication. Mm. Oh no, that's income. Yeah, yeah. And to to be honest, uh, I've now seen two um, uh, minister, um, uh, arts ministers since mm-hmm. the uh, the win, and um, I just don't see that they're doing enough. Mm. Honestly, yeah. uh, you, 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 it's not good enough just to turn up and open exhibitions. Mm-hmm. You need to really get out there and, mm. and get into your dungarees, get into the mm. artist studios and listen to the qualms that we have because it's not getting any easier. Everything goes up. Don't get me started on working on government contracts on public art projects <laughs> and waiting for the payment. Mm-hmm. But most artists live um, from 
uh, check to check, payment to payment, mm-hmm. as I'm sure many citizens do in whatever yeah. they do. Freelance people, yeah. But it's it's pretty hard when you're trying to um, study at NAS and pay your five hundred dollars a week. Uh, board for a room, mm-hmm. and you're not getting any reprieve, um, any leg up from the uh, the ministry. So, uh, Black, you're very obviously a very political animal. Is is politics important in your artwork as well? Is do you do you find you keep going back to political social commentary, or mm. do you find you just want to paint a pretty picture sometimes? Ha, that's a great <laughs> question because uh, I, I, I've heard that several times in my career. Yeah, um, why, sure. why, why can't you paint something pretty? Yeah, yeah. It'd be easier to sell. Yeah, you know? well. Is that? <laughs> yeah. But uh, look, every time I was told to paint something a bit more uh, uh, subdued, uh, it just it was like waving the red tape at me. And mm-hmm. um, it's inescapable for, from First Nations perspective. Yes. Um, the, the question that many people have is that when I look like I do, which is uh, sharing a black and white heritage from my parents, um, I, I, I had two choices, two, two paths I could have gone down, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, one of one of two paths, and so, um, but when it's in your heart and the fire's burning your belly from what's happened in the past, mm. then it's inescapable for, from my perspective to wake up and not paint something political. There are too many Aboriginal artists painting pretty pictures. Well, that's true, yeah. And um, and that's something that we won't get started on either. Mm. But um, from a contemporary perspective, a lot needs to be overhauled regarding um, what people paint and what they project into the into the universe. So, um, you know, I form a band of, uh, a rare band of um, overtly political artists and uh, I, I just choose to, to keep the mental health st- stable. Mm. I've arrived at a, a catchphrase when asked to describe my work, parody, irony and truth. Okay. And so yeah. to entertain myself, yeah. um, I'll make a comment drawn on a probably somewhat uh, abrasive issue mm-hmm. uh, pertinent to social justice, but I'll put a tweak on it, make it comical and try and um, try and draw upon the age-old Aussie traditions of colloquialisms mm. and try and translate that um, in, into a, a, a pictorial sense. Uh, coupled with a very quirky title. And that's mm. the only way I keep myself entertained yeah. Yeah. because, like we say, you've got to laugh or you cry. <laughs> so did the, uh, did the winning the Archibald um, bring more commissions? Do you do commissions? Look, not by and large, not uh, as much as it would have done for Ben Quilty. <laughs> but um, that's because I paint what I paint and Ben paints what he does. Yes. And um, the Australian art landscape... Mm would rather remain in the 50s mm-hmm. uh, in the sense of aesthetic yeah. and celebratory of what is, in inverted commas, the great uh, Australian painters. Which is the Australian landscape, I suppose. Yes, yeah. Heidelberg uh, School up until yeah. Fred Williams, yeah. uh, John Olson, uh, whatever. That, that, that's the, uh, that's the, the template for what constitutes a great Australian mm. kind of celebrating historic artwork. Okay. I to be honest, I'm still pinching myself that I got the prize. Um, <laughs> that I never thought I would. Uh, but just to answer your question succinctly, um, let's just say that no uh, state gallery has tripped over themselves to um, commission me oh. or acquire any of my ordinary paintings. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. So on that note, I will say that just like the Minister for the Arts, hmm. they have a lot to do. 
mm-hmm. have a lot to be questioned for. And um, when are we going to grow balls here? Mm-hmm. So you, you rode over here on your bike today, and you, I gather you're a very busy artist. So what do you do when you're not painting? Do you go for long push bike rides? Do you paint pretty pictures? Do you just go down to the beach? How do you fill in your spare time? Do you have spare time? <laughs> <laughs> Look, um, there's uh, Western Sydney is exploding in terms of um, uh, reno- uh, um renovation and, and um, redevelopment and so forth. So uh, there are innumerable public art projects uh, on offer at the moment, mm-hmm. and the public art projects have always been a part of my practice. Okay. And um, there's but a handful of First Nations artists in Sydney that are adept to mm-hmm. um Qualif- uh, quantifiably submitting for those expression of interest? Because it's quite a difficult process. I mean, there's a lot of forms to fill out. There are. There's a lot of uh, advocacy and, you know, getting people on side. That's right. Yeah. So I have a wonderful team yep. uh, that I've um, uh, recruited and um, those expression of interest come directly my way. I mm-hmm. flick them out to the uh, sideline yep. and um, and the agent takes it over and scores, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but, um, and then they say, come back and create something fabulous for yeah, us. Yeah, and so I get <laughs> left with the, uh, the the fancy frilly bits. And, yeah, yeah. And that's to think about how aesthetically something will look in a space. Mm-hmm. And so we're pitching for several of those at the moment um, and that does keep me on my toes. But um, in saying that, I've uh, when I won the prize, I was able to buy my first house. Okay, it was the only time I was able to impress the bank with my remnant seventy grand from the prize. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and so I finally got my first mortgage, and yeah. uh, it's taken me obviously thirty years to get close to that as a mm. self solo artist. Mm. And um, I bought three hours west of here in Davy Wiradjuri country, mm. uh, in a little country town. My mm. studio is out there now. Um, the landscape out there is extraordinary. Yeah. And what I'm looking forward to as a start for the fresh start next year is to immerse, be immersing myself in that landscape out there and uh, literally trying to really suppress the political commentary but taking the beauty of the, yeah. the landscape. Maybe you'll find a way to incorporate both. I've, I've been doing that, I felt. Oh, okay. but, uh, but but to distinctly go and sit in a an individual landscape mm-hmm. – uh, granted, like the great painters have done mm-hmm. in the past in Australia, mm. um, I think that is of interest um, to everyone. Mm-hmm. It's an interest. It's certainly an interest to fellow artists of, of the same ilk, mm. and to make those individual comments um, and, and be able to fine tune the ability to go to those landscapes and produce a style of work. I think that's the next um, the next plan.
I'm talking to Black Douglas, visual artist and uh, Archibald Prize winner from uh, two years ago, or last year in fact it was. So I'd like to move now on to your Yudaki plane. So you're quite a well-renowned Yudaki player. So how did you come to that? Were you taught as a child? And what are some of the highlights of your music career? Mm, wow, loaded question. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah, so um, I, like any other aspiring Corey, my Aboriginal boy from, you know, I used to wonder about every time I saw an ADOC event in Western Sydney, it was the same deal. Uh, um, the fellas in the red Naga Naga, they were loincloth and the white ochre, mm -hmm. a ditch player, mm -hmm. and uh, a couple of dancers, uh, you know, an emu dance or a kangaroo dance or a goanna dance. And I wondered why, what was going on. And I asked my dad, who was, we're Dungati people from Kempsey, and, um, and dad was... Uh, considerably more close to the colour of your desktop here <laughs> Which than is I, I very am. dark. <laughs> and um, so I asked Dad, you know, hey, uh, is this what we're meant to do? And mm. and it was Dad at the time that said to me, well, well our people never played it in New South Wales, you know. Oh. <clears throat> and, and I said, what do you mean that we never played it? And I, that, that come from Northern Territory from the top end that originally I started to develop a fascination. Yeah, because that's where the termites are. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And every other place I went to, I would see, I would start meeting ditch players, black and white. Mm -hmm. In fact, my first uh, teacher was a phenomenal player, a white fella from Glenbrook and the Blue Mountains. Mm. And so um, I just thought, this is meant, what I'm meant to be doing. Mm. Fast forward, and I was a novice player. I began painting, 19, uh, playing 1999, same time I started painting. And um, my dream was to uh, actually play for my first exhibition opening. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I still wasn't good enough. So I got said mentioned, mate, yeah. um, brother boy from the mountains. Yeah. But nonetheless, um, only a year later, no, sorry, no, sorry, it was 99, hmm. um, that uh, early 99, Bangara Dance Company put out the feelers mm -hmm. for 20 didgeridoo players. 20. Wow. And uh, from an urban sense. Yeah. Now, I had already started meeting some of the greats, Mark Atkins, mm -hmm. uh, who I met at Maury Plains Public School, gave me my first breathing lesson. Ah, uh -huh, okay, the yeah, circular breathing. In a bucket yeah. of water in a, yeah. <laughs> in a playground. Yeah, okay. And, um, and I'd met uh, Alan Dargan. Bless him, was still around with us at the time. He used to perform regularly at the Circular Quay. Mm. Um, anyway, so um, I thought, well, you know, you never know unless you have a go. Mm -hmm. So I went down to Bangara at the wharf. Uh, I looked really good in a loincloth in those days. <laughs> we were all young when, once, when yeah. I wore a younger man's loincloth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and I strutted out in front of the Page Brothers, and they and yeah. I think uh, Stephen might have taken a slight fancy to me. Oh, okay, yeah, and yeah, said, yeah. "Oh, yeah, he's in." Yeah, yeah. Uh, he can't play for shit, but he. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he looked good up the front. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, anyway, uh, I got the gig, and what this was part of was the Festival of the Dreaming in 1999. Okay. 5,000 people at the steps of the Opera House, massive sand circle, uh, brought down the, who would become my adopted family from Dalamboy in northeast Arnhem Land mm -hmm. to convene the ceremony, mm -hmm. and 20 dig players. And this was back when you could have a 44-gallon drum randomly in a crowd oh, burning gum leaves. Get out of here. Yeah. What was OHS doing? And so they mic'd up. The better of the players of us. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get a mic, but I, but I still looked good in a loincloth. <laughs> yeah. And so we just meandered through the crowd. Yeah. Out in the centre, meanwhile, are the, you know, proper Yungle mob from northeast Arnhem Land. Mm -hmm. And they're in proper ceremony, you know. Um, so 
Jakapura Munyarian is the big fella that used to be the cultural advisor for Bengal. You'd see him up the front okay. as the, the lead dancer. Right. So he became my wawa, my brother. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what happened was all of us 20-ditch players are getting made up in the tent next door of the opera house ready for the performance, playing our best dingo calls and kookaburra calls, mm -hmm. you know, and I hear yeah. this sound in the tent next door. Right. And I'm like, what the hell is that? And I tripped over myself to get in there, and there were the Yongle mob. And I see um, Brother Jonathan playing the Yiraki, and I said, my goodness, I've got to learn how to play like that. Yeah. He said, how can I learn how to play like that? I said, and he said, well, you have to come up home, Yeah. Um, you know, six hours north. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, well, that sounds like a uh, quite a MacGyver trip to me. <laughs> uh, how am I going to find you when I get there? He says, he's my mobile number. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, Telstra yeah. run the, um, yeah. you know, the, That's the awards, uh, the, the awards yeah, and everything yeah, up yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, they, that mob got better coverage than we've got in Newtown. Yeah, I know. It's and crazy. So, yeah. Anyway, I took myself up there, got my Iraqi from Jakapura, got my little lessons and uh, came back with a knowledge that, um, uh, interestingly, only three of us in Sydney still hold today. Oh. And my teacher, Matthew Doyle, yeah, who yeah. is generally at the head of everything major that happens for the New Year's Eve celebrations and whatever. Because he played on the uh, Ross Edwards Dawn Manchus. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So it was Matthew who taught me the concept of tongue talk, the, the, yeah. um, uh, the onomatopoeia phonetic pronunciation of rhythms, mm -hmm. and uh, which is pertinent to uh, Iraqi style. Mm -hmm. And so I brought that knowledge back and for a good 15 years been going around schools explaining the difference to kids between a didgeridoo and a Iraqi. Oh, is there? Tell me, because I don't know. Well, the Iraqi is only from northeast Arnhem Land. Oh, okay. So the didgeridoo is like yeah, a Yeah, and a lot, of, a, a lot of modern didge players have to understand that. Yeah. You can't yeah. call yourself a Iraqi player right. unless you've, uh, you've got one. literally gone through ceremony ah, and okay. learned the concept of tongue talk and yeah. mouth music, Yeah, well, which is the way an in, a tabla player learns to yeah. play a yeah. drum. Mm. So that constitutes a Yiraki player. Yeah. A Yiraki will only come from northeast Arnhem Land. Okay. And uh, a Yiraki is a straight stringy bark yeah. uh, sapling. Yep. And they and the Yungle mob, since time immemorial, will make that instrument so it stands up. Mm. And if your didge doesn't stand up by itself, oh. it's nowhere near close to a Yiraki. Oh, okay, because they're fairly flared at the bottom. Mm. Right, that's, yeah. that's interesting. Because I'm guessing, from what you're telling me, that was the, the more like the trunk. The yeah, ba the base of the trunk. Yeah. So, well, look, the, when they're taken from the tree, and if people are interested, you must track down the documentary, which was uh, co-orchestrated uh, by Gautier, mm -hmm. and that's the documentary West Wind, which tells the story of Jalu, the great Jalu's legacy, who's mm -hmm. the uh, the last custodian of Iraqi dreaming mm -hmm. from northeast Arnhem Land. So track that one down. You'll see that when they when you chop the tree from the when you chop the iraki from the tree yeah. as a length with the bark still on it, yeah. it's just a cylindri cylindrical prism that goes all the way. Oh, okay, so it's flared at the but, bottom, and but it's the way top. you cut it and taper oh, it. Right, okay. Into that shape, hmm. and for some reason, it's meant to be all jalu irakis, of which are considered the stradivarius of didgeridoo. Mm -hmm. Uh, they will all stand up by themselves. Wow, yeah. that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Look, you've shared some fa fabulous stories with us today, Black, and thank you so much for giving up your time for uh, Arts Wednesday. And I'll keep an eye on your website and uh, see if I can recognise this beautiful landscape you're going to be painting from out in the west where you, you're just living now. Yeah, thanks very much for having me.